Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Well, good morning, faithful listeners, and happy, happy Monday. Thanks for starting out the week with me by sharing a cup of coffee and uh, discussing some judges with me. We're going to talk about a new judge today, Jephthah. But before we begin that, how did you guys enjoy your weekend? And were you able to listen to the episode that I did on Saturday, the special episode? Because uh, I really enjoyed it. I actually, shockingly, I preferred it. I did it also on YouTube, but I preferred it in podcast format rather than the YouTube format that I did. I just thought it was uh, more interesting on the podcast for some reason. Maybe it's because I don't like looking at my own face, though. (laughs) I'm a little bit camera shy. But okay, I hope you guys were able to enjoy that episode. But today, let's go ahead and talk about Judges 11 verses 1 through 11. And we're going to be introduced to Jephthah. Jephthah. And uh, I'll be reading this actually today out of the NIV version of scripture, even though I usually use the WEB. I'm going to use the NIV today, but as always, feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read of, whether it is the NIV, the NLT, the WEB, the KJV. Let's go ahead and read this and enjoy God's word together. Jephthah the Galeadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead, and his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites were fighting against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, Nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us and fight the Ammonites, and you will be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, Suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, The Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So the last chapter that we talked about on Friday, Judges 10, tells the story of how the Israelites once again sinned greatly against God, totally abandoning him, totally rejecting the promise that they made with him, and they started following after literally every other god of that time period, except for Yahweh. So they're following after all these other gods, um, the gods of all the nations around them. But here's the thing. The nations around Israel didn't care if the Israelites worshipped their gods or not. At least not really. And if the Israelites were worshipping these other gods specifically to try to make like peace treaties with these other nations, which most likely that was kind of what was going on. And that's why God said, don't make peace treaties, like just worship God. Don't be warmongers, but don't make peace treaties with the nations surrounding you so that you don't fall into the temptation of worshiping their gods. The Israelites, they compromised on that and they were like, no, we do want to make peace treaties and we do want to worship the gods of these other nations. But notice how every single time Israel begins worshiping the gods of these other nations, the other nations invade Israel anyway. They don't really care if Israel is worshiping their gods or not. The second they get a chance 
to invade Israel, they're going to take that chance and they're going to do it. And that's kind of the same thing nowadays. People want you to compromise on your beliefs so that you will affirm their beliefs, but they don't really care about you. In fact, they don't like you at all. They're going to take whatever chance they can to um, walk all over you and to force you to do even more. So Israel is falling into this trap of worshiping these other gods of all these other nations, abandoning their God, who truly could help them to worship these other gods. And the Ammonites and the Philistines end up invading Israel. So finally, Israel, after 18 years of the Ammonites and the Philistines invading them, Israel cries back out to God. They're like, God, we truly have sinned. We need you. And so they they put away their foreign gods in order to start worshiping Yahweh again. And so Yahweh initially was like, well, why don't you cry out to your gods, the ones you've been worshiping for these past several decades and have them save you? Why are you crying out to me? I'm not going to save you this time. But then they're like, no, no, no. We promise God we have sinned. We won't do this again. And so they they throw out their their gods. And it says that Yahweh was grieved over the misery of Israel. So that brings us now to Judges chapter 11. And because God was grieved at the misery of Israel, he was going to send them a leader. So we're introduced to Jephthah. And he was a man of Gilead. Now, Gilead was actually an area that was on the other side of the Jordan River, basically modern day Jordan And Gilead was an area that was part of the half tribe of Manasseh that was on the other side of the Jordan River. So it says here that there was a guy named Jephthah who was a Galeadite. So he was from Gilead and he was also a mighty warrior. And his father was actually named Gilead. (laughs) So Jephthah had a father that was named Gilead and he was also from the area of Gilead. Just an interesting little thing there. So his father was named Gilead and his mother was a prostitute. So this means that most likely Jephthah's mother was a woman that was not an Israelite. Most likely anyway, because you can see in the Old Testament law that God actually uh, prohibited any man or woman from becoming a prostitute. However, I should mention that Israel had fallen pretty far away from God's law and from the Old Testament in general. So maybe this woman was an Israelite and prostitution was just a a thing of the culture at this time. So maybe she was an Israelite, but I would imagine that she was probably not an Israelite woman because as Jephthah grows up and he is the only child from a prostitute out of all of Gilead's kids, Jephthah ends up getting abandoned by his father's family. Because it looks like Gilead, Jephthah's father, had one wife. That's what it looks like anyway. He had one wife, but yet he was still promiscuous and still went and slept with a prostitute at one point in his life. And that prostitute ended up having a child with Gilead. And it also looks like Jephthah, the child of the prostitute, ended up living with um, with Gilead and with the brothers as well. Because As soon as Gilead dies, it says when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. So it does sound like Jephthah lived with Gilead, his father, and also with his brothers. So they say to him, it sounds like potentially Gilead at this point in time is dead because the brothers say to Jephthah, they're like, you are not going to get any inheritance from our family because you're the son of another woman. You're the son of a prostitute. So they're like, only 
true sons here are allowed to have part of the inheritance. So they drive Jephthah away. They're like, get out of our family. So Jephthah leaves. It says he fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a gang of scoundrels gathered around him and followed him. Now, the word scoundrels here could be interpreted a couple different ways. It could be that these scoundrels were actually like thieves that went and um, banded together with Jephthah. It could be that they were very poor men and that Jephthah had a reputation of uh, putting purpose to outcasts and outsiders because Jephthah himself was an outcast and an outsider. So we don't know exactly, but um, it the NIV translates it as scoundrels. And depending on what version you read, it might say scoundrel, it might say worthless men, something along those lines. So we don't know exactly what this means, but we know that while Jephthah was living in the area of Tob, he really did get a following of people that uh, banded around him. And somehow he became known in the area as a mighty warrior. And so that's why some people think that these quote unquote scoundrels that followed him, they went around like looting Ammonites and Philistine areas and uh, gaining like a reputation for themselves as being like mighty men, basically. So that's that's why people think that. It says here that sometime later, so we don't know how many t- how much time has passed, but the Ammonites begin fighting against Israel again. It says the elders of Gilead went to go get Jephthah from the land of Tob. So that shows how much of a reputation Jephthah really had. Even though he was fully kicked out of Gilead as being like the, the son of a prostitute, he gained such a reputation for himself as a mighty man of valor. And actually, where we left off in Judges chapter 10, let me go back there and read the last couple verses here. It says in verse seven, uh, verse 17 and 18, when the Ammonites were called to arms and camped in Gilead, the Israelites assembled and camped at Mizpah. And the leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, whoever will take the lead in attacking the Ammonites will be head over all who live in Gilead. So Ammon is fighting against the Israelites and Gilead is like, what are we going to do? We have no leader that can stop the Ammonites. So they're thinking about it. They're like, we need a leader. Who can we who can we get? And so Jephthah comes to mind because Jephthah was a mighty man of valor. And he was from Gilead. And even though he was the son of a prostitute, they're like, you know what? We're going to go get Jephthah. <laughs> Let's go get Jephthah. I think he can I think he can do the job really well. So it says that they, the elders send some men to go get Jephthah from the land of Tob in verse five. And they say, come and be our commander so we can fight against the Ammonites. So Jephthah says to them, they're like, didn't you hate me and drive me out from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? So he's like, okay. Here's the deal. You know, you guys are the ones that drove me out in the first place. You guys hated me. You didn't want me because he said I'm the son of a prostitute. Why are you coming to get me now? And it's kind of funny. You know, here's what's interesting about this. I, I just had this this thought. Remember how in the last chapter, God basically said the same thing to the Israelites. Isn't that funny? God was like, why are you praying to me now? You know, you abandoned me. You kicked me out. You know, have your other gods save you. And Jephthah has basically the same exact response to these men. He's like, uh, you didn't want me. You kicked me out. You hated me. So why are you coming to get me now? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Like, honestly, Jephthah and Yahweh have a very similar response to the Israelite people. 
So in a way, it just kind of shows like how insufferable the Israelites were really being. They abandoned God, they abandoned Yahweh, and then finally when they realized they need Yahweh, they're like, no, Yahweh, we totally need you. And same thing with Jephthah. They abandoned Jephthah, even though it, it was not Jephthah's fault that he was the son of a prostitute. It wasn't his fault at all. But they abandon him and they're just like, no, we don't want you until they actually need him. Then they go and grovel and try to get him back. So anyway, the the men respond to Jephthah. They're like, well, we're coming to get you now. So what are you complaining about? You're going to be the head over all of Gilead. So why are you complaining? So Jephthah says them, he's like, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? I don't know if Jephthah was power hungry or not. It kind of sounds like it a little bit based upon this verse. It kind of sounds like he was like, well, okay, I do actually want to be in charge. So if this actually happens and I go back with you and I fight against the Ammonites, am I really going to be in charge here? But also you can imagine that Jephthah was abandoned once before by all of Gilead. And I'm sure he does not want to be abandoned again the second time. So I I can't imagine that he's probably like, okay, if I go and do this for you guys, are you really going to let me be in charge here? So I don't know what Jephthah's heart was right here, but um, you can kind of see both ways, I suppose, a little bit. So the elders of Gilead reply to him, as the Lord is our witness, we will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah is convinced. He goes with them to Gilead, and it says the people made him the head and the commander over them. And it says he repeated all of his words before the Lord in Mizpah. So he did some sort of ceremony to become the leader of Gilead, or the leader of Israel, rather. And it all takes place in Mizpah, where he ends up going and living. And Mizpah was a city in Gilead. Okay, so I'd like to go back to my original point I made Um, a little bit ago about how the people abandoned Jephthah and God and then suddenly wanted them back when they needed them. Jephthah's story kind of shines a little bit more light into what Israel was really doing and how Israel was treating God. I mean, who wants to be abandoned by somebody until they need you? That's just somebody using you. I used to have a friend years ago, (laughs) back when I was in high school, that would only hang out with me if there was nobody better to hang out with. And finally, it took me a, a couple of years, but I just figured out that this girl was was using me. She was using me for uh, friendship when she felt like she didn't have any other friends. But the second somebody else came by that was better, she would like abandon me. And it, it, I got sick of it after a while. I was like, no, I'm not going to be, you know, your second choice. Like if I'm going to be a friend, I want to be a friend. You know what I mean? So it's very logical to not want to be abandoned. God doesn't want to be abandoned. And already by Israel, he's been abandoned by them. How many times before this? I mean, this is the 11th chapter of Judges. And yet basically almost every single chapter mentions how the Israelites had done evil in God's sight. And yet God was being merciful and kind to his people for multiple generations while they were using him, while they were abandoning him. But then the second they needed him, calling out to him again. So do we do that in our Christian lives? Do we abandon God when everything is good and then 
go back to him when things aren't so good. And unfortunately, in my life, I have done that. I forget about God. I forget to pray. I forget to read my Bible when everything is good. And then the second that something bad happens to me, I'm like, no, God, why? <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, how could you do this to me? And it's just not a good attitude to have toward God. He is our God, whether things are great or whether things are terrible. We should always be searching for that relationship and, and trying to keep that relationship with God in our personal lives. I love that one song, Blessed Be Your Name, because there's a part in it that says, you know, he gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. And I love that part of the song because it's talking about how no matter what happens in life, whether things are good or whether things are bad, you still say, God, I worship you. Blessed be your name. You are holy. You are good. And so I'm going to choose to worship you. And I even will argue that personally in my own life, it has been harder for me to worship God when things are good than when things are not good. Because we recognize our need for God when things are not good. But when things are good, we have a harder time remembering to worship God. And to conclude, that reminds me of one of the churches that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 3, where God says, I wish you weren't lukewarm. I wish you were either hot or cold. And you say, you know, I don't need anything. I am rich. I am wealthy. I don't need anything. But you don't realize how much you need me. And that's what God says to that church. So even scripture mentions how we have a tendency to forget about God when things are going really well. So if things are going really well for you right now and you have forgotten about God, I encourage you to say a prayer and maybe sing a song of worship to God, because let's not fall into the same trap that the Israelites fell into of not worshiping God and abandoning God when things were good, but then using him when things are not so good. Alrighty, faithful listeners. Well, the seasons are changing <laughs> and it is going to be Advent very quickly. Only like two months away does Advent start. Crazy, right? That is like the Christmas season. So if you need an Advent devotional for teenage girls or if your youth leader is looking for something to do this Christmas for teenage girls, then check out Adore. It is one of the books I have written and it is a four-week study guide specifically talking about the importance of Advent this Christmas season. That's going to be linked in the description of this podcast episode, along with all the other books that I've written and uh, basically everything else that I do. So check out all those links. But friends and faithful listeners, have a fantastic rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. Thank you.